Lord God, we thank you for your word, your word that is truth in our life. May it mold us and shape us to be the people that you have called us to be, the people that you have created us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What is the most foolish or craziest thing that you've ever done? And why did you do it? It's not a time of confession, but maybe it was a dare. Maybe, uh, maybe you lost a bet. Maybe you won a bet. Uh, maybe it was for love. You know, people say that we do the most insane, craziest, and stupidest things because of love. Uh, but whatever it was, it was probably so memorable that you and most of your friends remember you for it, and they thought you were crazy or foolish for doing it. Like Sarah Farkas. She is a 41-year-old single mother of two with teenage daughters, donated, and she donated a kidney to Guy Duke, or Duke Guy. Duke was a fam- wasn't a family member. She didn't even know him. Uh, he wasn't even a friend. He was a guy who went to her church, and, while, and at that church, she was the pastoral intern as a seminary student in this church in Zeeland, Michigan. Sarah was aware of Guy's condition and need for a transplant through prayer requests at the church. And one day in May of 2013, she sat on her couch praying. And in her prayer, she included a specific request for a kidney transplant donor for Guy, who had been battling kidney disease for over 32 years. And at that moment, he was in stage 5 renal failure, and so he was very close to death. That's when she said she heard the distinct voice of God. She said it was very clear, very, very clear. It was a a question, and God said, why don't you give him one of yours? Farkas immediately began to shake and weep, and she fell forward to her knees, flooded with feelings of warmth and peace. And she said, it just dawned on me that, wow, I was in the presence of God, not Wow, God just told me to give, me a, give this guy a kidney, but wow, I was in the presence of God. And then one Sunday, she said to Guy, this is going to sound crazy, but I think God told me to give you one of my kidneys. And the first thing that, and Guy was shocked, and the first thing that he asked, uh, asked her was, what's your blood type? And one she didn't say that she knew He said, I didn't get excited. What are the odds? What are the odds that she's a perfect match? And siblings, the odds that all is perfect uh, to transplant uh, organs, it's only 25% match. Only 25%. But in two unrelated people, the odds are 1 in 100,000, according to the National Institute of Health. For Sarah Farkas and Guy Duke, they would experience the power of God firsthand in their lives. The first test was the blood type, and they found out that they were the same blood type. And Farkas went through tissue typing, which example, uh, examines six antigens important in organ transplantation. And she and Guy matched on all six. Further testing determined Farkas was healthy enough to donate a kidney, and when she had been cleared for the transplant, she couldn't wait to tell Guy. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, Guy and Deb Guy, Deb uh, Deb was Duke's wife, after months of holding optimism in check, she said they said they were stunned. 
We were just amazed that somebody would go through this and do this for us. It's major surgery. It means a couple of months off of work. How do you thank someone for this? It's mind-boggling. Duke says, I've been fighting this for over 30 years, and now all of a sudden, it's tomorrow. Farkas said she was very, very at peace with her decision to donate a kidney. We read in the Bible about these different miracles, she said. To think that I am going to be part of a miracle leaves me speechless. It's a touching and powerful story. A man living with kidney disease over 30 years, and then out of nowhere, a stranger offers you one of, one of her healthy kidneys so that you can live and not just offering it, but the miracle of being a perfect match to donate a kidney so that there aren't any complications. It's touching, but it's foolish. It's crazy. Why would somebody do that? Why would you? Uh, you wouldn't be so foolish as to do something like that. I mean, nobody would. You, you have, I mean, it would be easy if you didn't have anything to lose. You didn't have any family, no loved ones, nothing to live for. Or maybe you, you yourself were going to, uh, you only had days to live. So you wanted to go with a bang, do something heroic. But Sarah Farkas had her whole life in front of her. She was 41 years old young. She had two teenage daughters. She was a single parent. And some of us, if we knew Sarah, we wouldn't be happy for her. We would be angry. We would be upset. How irresponsible she was to do this to her family, taking this risk on her life. And what about her girls? What if they lost their mother? You'd be angry. You'd be upset. I mean, now you'd probably say, no, I wouldn't do that. I would be like praising God. No, you wouldn't. You'd be like, how irresponsible. We get upset when our husbands or our, ch our wife or child makes bad decisions on something they just bought with a credit card. Or maybe you'd be mind-blowing upset if they came home and said, Honey, I just gave up my kidney for someone stranger. And we'd be even more upset when he said, You know, for the reason why we did it, it's because God told me to. We'd call the men with the ambulance and the straitjackets because we think they totally lost their mind or they had lost touch with reality or that they're just plain crazy. But for Sarah Farkas, it might have been foolish to us, but God's wisdom and power could be seen through this whole process of what she did while everyone else sees it as foolishness. Today we hear the Apostle Paul talking about this in the letter to the church in Corinth. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, is foolishness, is stupid, irrational, crazy to those who are perishing, to the unbeliever, to the deniers, to those who just don't get it or just don't want to accept it. But to us who are being saved, to the believer, to the follower, to those who believe and get it, it is the power of God. These words are powerful, coming from Paul. He's trying to clarify and drive home the power, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because at this point in the church, people have been bombarded with Jews and Gentiles trying to rationalize what God did in Jesus Christ. And when we try to rationalize something, we look to what we know, to what we understand. We look inwardly instead of outwardly. We, we, under, we, we try to understand things that are just real to us. And Paul reminds us that the church 
uh, reminds the church that God's word through Isaiah, with the God's word through Isaiah, he says this, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Paul continues, where, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. God decided through foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. Paul says that you can't rationalize what God has done and is doing with your own understanding of the world. They want what God did through Jesus Christ to make sense to them on their own terms, with their own understanding. He says, Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. The Jews and the Greeks, they want to know God and what he's doing through Jesus, and they want it to make sense to them. But the thing is this, what God is doing doesn't make sense through their own rational thought, and it won't, and it did not, unless they trust God with what he's doing through Jesus Christ. For everything that they knew about Jesus didn't make sense to them why God did what he did in the way that he did it. This is the story that they understood or that they heard. God sent his only son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin to a young working-class family. Dad was a carpenter, didn't have any money, began his ministry, ate with sinners, forgave the unforgivable, was betrayed by his own people, was arrested, crucified on a cross like a thief, died, and was resurrected from the dead on the third day and ascended to glory. And he did all of this so that they, we, could have forgiveness in his name and that we could have eternal life. And all of this cost us absolutely nothing. God did this for us, and that we don't have to do anything for it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to pay back anything for it. Nothing. It was done so that God could show us how much he loved us. And that sounds like foolishness to them. And it sounds like foolishness to even many today. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It totally broke conventional wisdom. And Paul acknowledges this. He says, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And that's why they didn't understand. The thought of the age that, is that we needed to do something, that they needed to do something to earn salvation, to earn forgiveness, to, to be strong. But God acted freely through Jesus Christ. God acted on his own love to his own to show us his love, and it didn't make sense to them. It was crazy. It was foolishness. Why would the God who created all things, the heavens and the earth, the sky and the moon, created all of us, why would God do these things the way he did it through Jesus? It didn't make any sense. And to this day, it still makes, doesn't make sense to millions of people because, and because it doesn't make sense their response is to knock it, to make fun of it, to ridicule and even persecute people because of it. And then Paul brings us the truth. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. 
And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. For those who have been touched by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, it, it makes sense. It's not about making sense. It's not about having all the answers of what God is doing or how he's doing it. It's about trusting God with everything that you have. Trusting God that his power will be shown through you, through whatever that you're going through. Paul says, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing things that are so that no one may boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order, and in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God doesn't work through us and the trials that we're going through because we deserve it. God didn't save us and others because we are from the right family or are right from the right part of town. God doesn't do the things that he does because he says, wow, you are holier than this other person. God says we are chosen because we're loved, because we are his. And it's because of God and God alone that you are in Christ Jesus. Nothing that you have done, nothing that you will do will get you to that point. It's only because you have been chosen by God and God alone, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And it's through the power and presence of God that we boast, not that we are chosen, not that we're part of a special club, but because we boast in the reality and the power of God, that it's there, it exists, and it's active, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. Friends, we might think of what people do around us, we might think of it as crazy or foolish because we don't understand it. Maybe we don't accept it. But the reality is that if we trust God 100% of the time, or maybe even part of that, that trust, just getting to that point of just saying, I'm going to try to trust God in this. The things that we do are not foolish. It's called faith. It's called stepping out to trust God in the things that we do in our lives, whether it's in our daily lives or the things that we are going through. It's stepping out in faith and telling others that they are fools for not trusting God. You don't really say that. You're not saying, oh, I'm trusting God. You're a fool not to. But we do it in our own selves. We say, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to listen to anybody else in this, you know, I'm not going to, think about any of the conventional wisdom of this world. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to keep my eyes and focus on God. And it's the power of God through Jesus that saves us. God tells us that he loves us and that he loves us all. He sent us Jesus to show us love, to show us sacrifice, to show us God's presence and power, and to show us that we should be trusting in God. And friends, it is not foolish, foolishness to do so. It is the wisest thing that we can do. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for your wisdom. And sometimes, yeah, we're called to do the craziest things, but make sure that we're called to do those crazy things, to trust in you, 
to make sure that we are being led by your Holy Spirit, by your word, to take that step out in faith. And that whatever we do, we know that it's you moving us into that place. So God, help us, help us take, make those steps in our lives that we can trust in you in all that we do. We don't rely on our own understanding, but we rely on your wisdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.